0: Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Locked On Cowboys podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Mosier, columnist for bleachreport.com. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Moser. If you want your opinions heard, make sure you're using that hashtag locked on Cowboys to uh, answer que- or ask me questions, uh, give me your comments, whatever you want to do, make sure you're using that hashtag to reach the show. T- Cowboys rookies reported to training camp yesterday the team's first practice is on Monday the 24th. On Monday, we're going to be talking about that pad of practices, some of the notes that came, up, uh, came out of that. I've got some friends that will be at camp. I will not actually be at camp this year. However, we will get a ton of information out. Uh, we're actually going to have video that I'm going to post up on uh, my Twitter feed, so make sure you check that out. We're going to get a ton of information about camp, so we're going to Make sure you are tuned into Locked on Cowboys podcast because there will be no other spot that's going to fill you in better with the Cowboys training camp Uh, rumblings, who's performing well, uh, who needs to step up their game. All that kind of stuff will be here on the Locked on Cowboys podcast. As for today, I kind of want to switch things up a little bit and have a little bit of fun before we go into camp. One of the things I like to do, and I do this almost every year, uh, is I rank the top 53 most important players of or for the Cowboys entering the season. Uh, for years, that list has included Tony Romo at number one. Uh, not saying he is the best player at his position, but the most important. Okay. Today we're going to look at the top 10. Uh, we're going to talk about who can the Cowboys least afford to lose for the season. Kind of That's the criteria that we're going to use. Not, again, not best players, not the best players in order, but the least valuable player that they can lose. Okay, Let's go ahead and we'll start from the bottom and go down from 10 to 1. Number 10, Lyle Collins. You could argue that Collins should be much higher on this list because the Cowboys' offensive line is the most important part of their team outside of quarterback. And with all the amount of different pass rushers the Cowboys are going to see this year between Jason Pierre-Paul, Olivier Vernon, Khalil Mack, Von Miller, Justin Houston. Lyle Collins is going to, he, he's going to have a tough assignment ahead of him. I believe he is the most important for a few different reasons. Number one, there is no depth behind Collins. If Chaz Green wins the left guard job like I think he will... I'm not sure who is the swing tackle as of today. Maybe it's Byron Bell. Maybe it's Emmett Cleary. I don't know. It's a much weaker position, the swing tackle spot, than it was last year. Uh, The second reason is, if the Cowboys are forced to use more tight ends and running backs to chip on that right side than they have in the past few years. One quick thing on Doug Free. Doug Free got a lot of crap from Cowboys fans, but this is a tackle that rarely ever had to get any extra help on that side. He would go against some of the best pass rushers in the league and did not need any help. And that allowed Dallas to do a lot of different things in their passing game. It allowed them to split out Lance Dunbar and Ezekiel Elliott and get matchups on the outside without having to worry about the right tackle spot. If the Cowboys can't do that this year, I think you're going to see a Big drop-off in their pass game. Wouldn't be shocked if we're doing this next year and Lyle Collins is in the top five. He's got that much talent. It's a big spot for Dallas. They really need him to quickly transition into a average to above-average right tackle in his first year at the spot. Next, at number nine, Cole Beasley. Dez gets a lot of attention on this team. But Beasley in a lot of ways has replaced Jason Witten as the team's chain mover on third down uh, 51 of Beasley's 75 catches resulted in first downs. Uh, he's really the guy that Prescott's looking towards on third downs. I've never seen a cornerback being able to cover him. Uh, the closest that I've ever seen is Brandon Boykin back in 2013. But since then, Not many can match up against Beasley and his talented skill set. He's never going to get the publicity that Bryant or Jason Witten get, but he's a huge part of the Cowboys offense. He's not going to be a big play guy. He's not going to make plays down the field. He's not going to make plays in the red zone. Typically, he's going to be a guy that continues to allow the Cowboys to move the ball on third down and keep their defense off the field. If the Cowboys want to continue to play this ball control style of offense, they need Beasley to continue to be that dominant third down weapon. Without him, this offense would bog down. And I know it sounds ridiculous that a slot receiver could bog down the offense, but this is one of the most important players on the Cowboys roster. I think Beasley. I think Beasley's success and importance to the team is a reason why they drafted Ryan Switzer in the fourth round. Because if Beasley were to miss time, and I think this is what happened last year, Beasley got hurt with a hamstring injury, Dallas didn't really have anybody to replace him. They kind of had, were forced to play Beasley injured because they didn't have another guy that could take his spot. And they know how valuable that role is, so a Beasley at 60% is better than any other option they had in the slot. I expect Beasley to catch around 75 passes again this year. Wouldn't be shocked if it jumps up to 80. Um, one of the more underrated receivers in the entire league. At number eight, Byron Jones. Cowboys have had a lot of change in their secondary in the last 12 months. They've lost Morris Claiborne. They've lost Brandon Carr. They've lost Barry Church. they lost J.J. Wilcox. One of the few things that has stayed the same is Byron Jones. Byron is the ultimate Swiss army knife. He can cover outside receivers. He did it very well against AJ green in the Cincinnati game last year. He can cover slot receivers such as Randall Cobb in the first screen Bay game. He can match up against Jordan Reed. He can match up against Zach Ertz. He can match up against the bigger tight ends. He can play in the box as a safety. Uh, they're going to need Byron to take a step up this year. if The Cowboys want to continue to have an average to above average defense. He's going into his third year, I will be 25 during the season. I think he has a, a chance to really take the next step this year, and you know potentially be a top six or seven safety in the NFL. Definitely, he's the most important defensive back that they have in roster, on their roster. And I would argue he's the second most important defensive player on their entire team. We'll get to the first in a little bit. Number seven, Des Bryant. A few years ago, I think you could have argued that Bryant should have been in the top five. When he's healthy, there's no doubt in my mind that this is a top five receiver, if not a little higher. And I know that... When I say that, people are going to start counting, well, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones. I'm telling you, when Bryant is at the top of his game and when he's healthy, this is one of the best receivers in the league. There's just not a lot of people that can match up with his size, speed, and physicality. Uh, 2015, Dallas struggled without Dez. Uh, They were 1-6 with Bryant out of the lineup. The only game they won that season was... Week two against Philadelphia, uh, Tony Romo started that game. But if you remember correctly, Dallas, I believe, only had six points through the first three quarters of that game. They really struggled on offense without Dez. Uh, 2016, Dallas went 3-0 without Bryant. And that kind of led to a lot of people thinking, well, how important is Dez really to this offense? Or, are they a better offense without him because they're not forcing the ball to him? I don't believe that at all. I I think you can get by without Des against weaker teams, and that's what they did in 2016. They beat a bad Bengals team, they beat a bad 49er team, and a Packer team that was slumping and was depleted in the secondary. I think you can win. You can't win in the playoffs in the playoffs without a Des Bryant. Okay, especially with the way this team is constructed in their passing game. So much of the offense is reliant on. Des being able to beat not only single coverage but to be, be able to beat a team's best corner and safety help. You know, think about playing against Washington. You've got Josh Norman over there and you've got a safety shade of that side, Janoris Jenkins and Landon Collins. You need Des. He I at times I think he is the most important offensive skill position player on the team. But I think they've got a little bit more depth at receiver now, that would allow them to survive a couple games if you were to miss in 2017. Number six, Ezekiel Elliott. You would probably think that the league's leading rusher should be higher than six on this list, and you can make a really good case that he, that he maybe he should. But Dallas probably could survive a game or two without Zeke. And in fact, they might be asked to. There's a very good chance that we don't see Zeke for the first two weeks, four weeks, possibly six weeks. We'll see how important Zeke really is. If Dallas struggles, let's say he misses six games and they go two and four. It's going to be tough to argue that Zeke wasn't the most important player in the Cowboys offense. In the last two seasons. I don't necessarily think that they will be in a a lot of trouble without Zeke. Uh, Vegas has shifted the Cowboys-Giants line from five points to four and a half points. When kind of, it sounds like Zeke is probably going to miss that first game. So Vegas values him at a, a half a point a point. Whereas a quarterback, he can shift it, you know, four, five, six points. So Zeke is important. Uh, he's fantastic. I think he can improve as a player, even. But I still think there's multiple players on this team that are more important to the success of the Cowboys than Ezekiel Elliott. I wouldn't. If you put him in the top three, I totally get it. It makes sense. But if I were kind of looking at this team and picking the most important players. And the most valuable players, I think Zeke would probably be outside of my top five. All right, let's take a little break to tell you about our good friends at SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there's a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest and easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you much closer to the action at a great value. Best of all, listeners to the Locked On Cowboys podcast get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code L O N F L. That's L-O-N-F-L for Locked NFL for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Check it out. It's so easy to use. We use it all the time up here to watch the Pirates. Uh, I live close to the Buffalo Stadium. We use it to go to the Bills games. Check it out. Uh, nice and easy. Thanks for SeatGeek for sponsoring this podcast. Let's go to number five. Of the three offensive linemen, the three Pro Bowl offensive linemen, which one do you think is the least valuable and I know that's kind of an awkward way to, to word it but if you were picking which ones do you, you know in order which ones do you think are the most important which ones are the least important which one would it be for me it would probably be Zach Martin and I'm fully ready to admit that I think Zach Martin might actually be the best of the three at their said position I don't think Zach Martin could have started his career off any better. Uh, three seasons in the NFL, he's made the Pro Bowl every single year, two-time All-Pro, uh, top three guard in the NFL 1000, and a Pro Football Focus in 2016. I think he might be the best offensive lineman in the entire league. However, he plays a spot that is not as valuable as tackle or center. And for that reason alone, I have a number five. I would hate to see what the Cowboys' offense would look like without him because they're so reliant on him being able to win one-on-one matchups against some of the best three techniques in the NFL. But I think I just can't put him ahead of Travis Frederick or Tyron Smith. He's so valuable and so important to this team. I felt like putting him in the top five was was really good, but it, it does bother me that he didn't make the top three. And it was close. Because number four I have is Travis Frederick. Frederick was the number one center in the NFL one thousand second rated center in pro football focus. There hasn't been anybody that's been as close to as good as Frederick over the last three years. Three straight Pro Bowls. Been a dominant player since entering the league in 2013. He gets the nod over Martin only because of positional value. I actually think Martin's a little bit better player than Frederick but because Frederick is the team's center and because they don't really have another center on the roster, he gets uh, moved up a couple spots. Number three, the final offensive lineman, Tyron Smith. You saw Dallas actually last year survived okay without Tyron. However, much like the argument that I made for Des Bryant, you could maybe survive a game or two without Tyron, but you're not, especially with the way the, the Cowboys have built their team. You are not making the playoffs without this guy. You are not winning games in the playoffs without Tyron Smith. I mean, just just for a moment, imagine Dallas going into Atlanta or Seattle and facing off some of the against some of those pass rushers without Tyron Smith. It's terrifying. I I've never seen an offensive lineman as dominant as Tyron uh, when he is locked in and he's healthy and. He wasn't healthy last last year. Let's make that clear. He battled a back injury and a stinger that kind of took away some of his power. But this is a guy that can absolutely win you games. A perfect example is uh, his game against Pittsburgh last year. Pittsburgh tried Jarvis Jones on his side. Not only did Jarvis Jones not make any plays, I mean, he just mauled him on every single down and ultimately ended up, Costing the Steelers is on the last play of the game. Uh, Tyron blew through Jarvis Jones, caved in his side, walking touchdown for Zeke. Uh, He may be this team's best overall player. It could be argued that he should be one or two on this list, but because he's a tackle, uh, he's going number three. You probably have an idea of number two and number one on our second, but again, Tyron Smith, fantastic, fantastic player. Nothing to say wrong about his game. Number two, Sean Lee. I've told this story on this podcast before, but the game that will always stand out for me for Sean Lee is his game against the Saints in 2013. Not because he did anything particularly well. He, I mean, he always plays well. But uh, Saints at the time in New Orleans, one of the best offenses in the league. Through the first 20 minutes of that game, the Cowboys held the Saints to seven points. Sean Lee left. The Cowboys gave up four straight touchdowns. Uh, They gave up 49 points in the game. The Saints still hold the record for the most first downs ever in a game with 40. Uh, Without Lee on the field, the Cowboys turned into one of the worst defenses of all time. With him on the field, they were a little bit better than average. And that's what makes Sean Lee so valuable. Last year, actually the last two years, as long as Sean Lee is on the field... This is a competent defense. And it really shouldn't be when you look at the talent on this defense. I mean, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, is there is not another I and mean, there's no other Pro Bowl on this roster on defense. I mean, across the defensive line, they could be starting, you know, a rookie in Taco Charlton. They could be starting Steven Pia, who was a free agent, uh, Cedric Thornton, who had a bad year last year. They could be starting Benson Mayowa as one of their defensive ends. It's just a rough group that Sean Lee has been able to work with. And as long as he's on the field, you always feel like the defense has a chance. And I, that's kind of the way I always felt about with Tony Romo uh, throughout his career. Whenever Romo was in the game, you felt like you have a chance. I feel that same way about the Cowboys' defense. As long as Sean Lee is in there, he will give you a chance to make stops. And finally, number one, Dak Prescott. Shouldn't be a surprise. Uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, for years uh, I made these lists on blogs, on forums, and on Twitter, and Tony Romo always led this list. The 2015 season was a perfect example of why Tony Romo should be number one on this list, uh, or has been number one on this list. They went 3-1 and one with Romo as a starter, but with Brandon Whedon, Matt Castle, Kellen Moore, the team went just 1-11, and their one win came in came in a meaningless game uh, at the end of the season against the Redskins. Before the 2016 season, Romo's backups were 1-14 in their last 15 starts. I mean, they were just incredibly bad. Uh, this is a bad, bad roster and a bad team without Romo. But what makes Prescott different is that he was the only quarterback to be able to come in and make plays for the Cowboys. He was the only quarterback to be able to come in and lead this team to a winning record. Not only did he lead this team to a winning record, they went 13-3 and with him and were the number one seed in the NFC in his first season. Dak was not supposed to be the starter. Dak was not even supposed to be the backup. Listen... I was one of the harder people on Dak throughout the regular season because I just didn't think he was going to be good enough to get them past Aaron Rodgers and Matt Ryan and those types. However, there is no doubt that that team would not be they, – they wouldn't even have had seven wins without Dak. Okay? If they would have been forced to play with Mark Sanchez or whatever quarterback else they had out there, they would have no chance. And you, know, you look at this roster this year, they're going to rely more on Dak <laughs> – If Dak were to go down for a few series in a game, I don't think they have a chance. They have no backups behind Dak. Uh, Kellen Moore, like I've mentioned a ton of times in this podcast, he's not an NFL quarterback. He is the most important player on the roster. They cannot afford to lose Dak for any amount of time. However, I will say this. At closing the podcast, a fire take on a Friday. If Dak were to go down for the season or a long time, let's say maybe eight, ten weeks, and the Cowboys were still in contention and they still had a good enough roster, Kellen Moore would not be the starting quarterback of this team. It would it would be Tony Romo. Just kind of let that sit. Maybe that helps ease this uh backup quarterback situation, knowing that if Prescott goes down. I don't think the Cowboys are going to rely on Kellen Moore. I think they have another option. That's it for today's show. That fire take to end the show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Hit us up with a five-star review. Uh, Like I mentioned yesterday, we're going to make sure that we get some prizes and some things out for the people that do that and leave a comment. Have a great weekend. We'll be back next week talking about the Cowboys' first training camp practice all the news that happens with the practice who stood out all your questions make sure you send them in on the uh using the hashtag locked on cowboys thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week The list.